Okay, should we jump in? <clears throat> Unique New York. Unique <laughs> New York. We watched uh, the Christopher Nolan blockbuster hit of 2010, Inception. Bong. The film stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Levitt, Levitt, Levitt to Beaver, <laughs> Elliot Page, uh, and Marion. I'm gonna butcher this. Cotillard. Cotillion. I don't know. Yeah. Cotillard. Cotillion. Cotillion. You know she's French, so mm, you a lot say. of lot lot of letters in there you don't pronounce, but I'm not sure yeah. which ones. So. Directed by Christopher Nolan and released July 13th, 2010 in the U.S. Did you see this in theaters? Oh, yeah. I have a very vivid memory of this. Do tell. I do. So I was up at Lake Tahoe and I saw it somewhere right around the Nevada-California border. I think it was on the Nevada side. Um, I think I remember getting... Uh, I, I won't elaborate. Um, I think I got, I think I was kind of a, sh a crappy son. And I think my, I sort of got mad at my mom and she got mad at me about something. And I had that memory because my sister was swimming across the lake as part of a relay thing. So it was like, we all oh, went wow. up there. And this is my, my mom is lovely. Uh, if you're listening, mom, I love you. She might be listening, but I, I remember being kind of like a, like a crummy teenager that day. You know, like I just remember having a memory, yeah. of not being my best self and kind of feeling pretty bad about it. This is also the summer before college. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, you know, you're, you're going through some stuff as you prepare to leave. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. And this is kind of an angsty film, which is sort of perfect. But we saw it in theaters, and I remember it being a packed house. And all I remember is the final shot, you know, when they cut to black with the top spinning and the, the collective, like, oh, of the crowd. And, and that's all I remember. Yeah. What about you? That's so funny. Um, I did not see this in theaters. I saw this at my parents' house. There was a group of us. I was 2010. I was 20. And I think we were just bored because we were right at that age where you can't drink legally. So we had nothing watch else Inception. to do. So we watched Inception. That's what you do. It's like drinking and then... <laughs> Inception. That's the next obvious choice. Yeah. Um, and I just remember not really paying attention. And I think there was a guy there that I had a crush on. Like I said, it was like a group of us. Probably Jordan. That's <laughs> my husband now. <laughs> um, but I wasn't paying attention to the movie. That's all I remember. And so I've seen it again since then. And again, I, I didn't pay attention. And so this was the first time I watched the film all the way through and I Wait. like sat down and gave it my full attention. Question. So when you saw it the first time, were you trying to pay attention or were you just like, nah, it's whatever? No. Yeah, it was whatever. I wasn't, I didn't really like, did, care. Did you have a, because I feel like if you're not paying attention to this movie, let's say it's on TV and you're just kind of tuning in and out. There's a lot of action, but I do yes. think like the context matters. Like some action in other movies, you can just watch it because the scene is so like great. And this, you're like, wait, okay. So they're in slow motion flipping over in a van. This guy's in a hotel room. Like this, you know, it's, it's, there, it is a confusing movie. It does, and of course it's a confusing movie. That's all, that's what Nolan does, right? He tries to like make puzzles. 
oh yeah, this is not a movie you put on in the background and watch while you're cooking. This is a movie <laughs> you sit down and someone's taking notes. That's and you, if you miss a line, you rewind. Like it is, it is an exhausting film. It is, and it it was tiring. Like I have not one, not two, but three pages of notes on this film because it's it's fascinating, but also I, I have just so many questions, just so, so many questions, Matt. <laughs> so okay, before we get into it, this um, okay. Inception is basically just a heist movie. Like at its simplest form, it's a heist movie, but sort of a. Rev- Verse heist because they're trying to you know right implant an idea. Cobb and his people are are thieves already. They their whole thing is extracting. So they they like to what what is that? I guess extracting means you're getting yeah. rid of an idea. Yeah. So normally, so Dom Cobb is the lead role played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and he is an extractor. So normally he goes into people's minds and takes out ideas. I think and. That's when uh, C- uh, Saito, Saito um, asks him if he can do the opposite and implant an idea. And that's it's, when that whole thing has never been done and all it's that It's weird. Stuff. Yeah, because they talk about incepting. Like, you can't do that. Everyone's like, what? To me, extracting, in theory, seems like the harder thing because getting rid of an idea, like, that means it's probably spread enough that it's not just... It's like the internet. You put something on the internet. It's not just there once. It's there you know i don't know it's there everywhere so it's like once it's like a drop in the water it, it like spreads so i almost would like, like to see a prequel where they're just extracting because i'm like that seems well, kind of difficult and they allude to that in the film like they say multiple times an idea is like a virus it's contagious mm-hmm. and once you get an idea it won't stop and it grows and it spreads so exactly and my question my question on that point is you'd have to find the origin of the idea. Yeah. How did they do that? Like, just because an idea shows up in a dream doesn't mean that's where it originated. That means that, oh, it popped up. Like, I have dreams about ideas that I haven't thought about in years. And then all that's what therapy's for. Yeah. They make it, like, extracting, that, that, I feel like that would be something you would use not for, like, political or, like, economical, whatever, gain. It'd be for therapy. It's like, look, I don't know where this came from. Get Dom Cobb and jgl to come in and to be like just take this out which is also kind of what uh eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is except it's like yeah. another person much more straightforward film yeah. in uh, my I opinion about, yeah i love how they're like accepting you know one can do that i'm like it actually seems pretty doable really <laughs> like, was, there's a lot yeah, of layers I mean, but but to that point an- another big note i have that's in bold underlined and italicized is just because you plant an idea in someone's mind doesn't necessarily mean they're going to act on it. <laughs> so yeah. let's talk about let's talk about the inception. Let's talk about the actual goal. So the goal in its simplest form, throw it down somewhere, it's to um, get get the heir of a major corporation, Robert Fisher is the heir, to dissolve his father's empire. That's the idea. That is what they want to implant in his brain. So let's say they did it. Like, spoiler alert, they did it. They succeeded. But let's break it down. So they planted the idea to dissolve. Like, my father wants me to be my own man. That's the idea. 
What if he woke up and was like, yeah, but eh. A lot of, a lot of like therapy, like cognitive behavioral therapy is about observing your thoughts, but not necessarily saying, it's like, oh, it's just, a, it's just a yeah. thought. I can let it go. Yeah. So what if, what if Gillian Murphy's actually been, you know, he's, he's pretty in tune with himself and yeah, he did just sleep for like 10 straight hours or whatever it is. Cause they knocked him the hell out. So he's like in a fog. He's like, oh, wow. I like kind of love my dad now. And then he goes to get like a coffee and he's like, oh, that was weird. Anyways, like, like every time I've had a dream that like shook me up, like I've had dreams, you know, that make me feel like really weird or like, or whatever. And it like, yeah. like the first six hours of that day, I'm like, oh, I really got to work off this dream. Like, what the hell? And then around like 2 PM, you don't even remember it. Like, you just, like I feel like yeah, you move on. Yeah, and then I mean, it's all all Cobb wanted, right? Was uh, anyways, he got his goal. Cobb wanted Saito to give him the thing, and he did because he, it, it, okay, getting ahead of himself. The movie is a heist movie in reverse, sort of, because they're trying to implant this idea. But to implant an idea, they basically have to break in to Robert Fisher, aka Killian Murphy, break into his subconscious, which goes multiple levels deep, and kind of find where he keeps his deep, dark, whatever secrets. So they're trying to break into that. And the first, the movie's about two and a half hours long. The first act, I guess, is an hour. It's basically, we see them in action. Um, then they're, they have this proposal from this guy, Saito, you know, who is, like you said, he wants, he wants to, his uh, rival business, yada, yada, to break up. So there's no monopoly, so he can compete, whatever. And uh, he wants them to go and set this idea into his, Robert Fisher's first or Fisher first or Forster whatever so anyways that's uh that's the goal and like a heist movie like there's a lot of time spent showing like how they build the team you know it's like we get Ariadna Elliot Page we get uh Eames who's uh Tom Hardy uh we get I think it's Yusuf the guy who uh kind of makes yeah. the potions and and that's it's all very fun and it's it's also very like they're explaining how this all works to us but they're doing it mostly through explaining through Ariadna, because Ariadna is sort of the audience surrogate, because she's the yes. one who's like asking the questions. Exactly. Uh, she's also the quote unquote architect, which means she's designing the dreams. And there's this whole sort of B story, which becomes less, more than just a B story by the end, because it's about Cobb and his demons and his his deceased wife, played by Marion Cotillard. And she kind of haunts his dreams. She haunts, like, literally, if they're going into his dreams, she'll be there. She knows every corner. So the whole idea is someone else, the architect, designs the dreams so that his subconscious can't, you know, get in the way as easily. And he doesn't want to see, he doesn't want to see the plans for the dream, even though uh, Ariadna is 3D printing them in the one studio where they're all working, where he, like, it's in plain view, but he's like, don't show it to me, but it's like right there. It's like, okay. So uh, then the second act is also about an hour and it's as the plan unfolds some you know complications yada yada and then um uh well i guess that's all you really need to explain then there's a third act when they go even deeper and it kind of uh uh along the way we learn about Cobb and mall and they they keep playing these memories fragments of memories and every single time we learn more about them we learn you know what happened we learn that he's guilty for a reason yeah Cobb, Cobb is quite he's quite uh he's quite screwed up and the like the one of the first times we see him after the initial you know like action scene he's holding a gun to his head and spinning his top and if it, if it doesn't do the thing he wants it to do he's going to kill himself like that's just like so mm -hmm. normal for him there's a lot of dying yeah. and they feel okay there's yeah 
you, you talk now. I don't know. I, there's a lot of know where to start. <laughs> no, that was, a, I know. You know, as you were talking, I was like, oh, and then this part. Oh yeah. And I want to ask about this part. And oh yeah. Like we got to talk about this part. Like it's, it really is like four or five different films converged into one, which mm-hmm. was a lot. And so one of my main questions that I think we can start with is it's it's and it's just a question i just want your opinion because i thought about this a lot while i was watching it they don't even they don't even touch on the efficacy of this like the efficacy of inception like here we know the core characters we know the protagonists we're all rooting for them and at the end it's like this dramatic christopher nolan score and it's just they succeeded and you just feel like oh they did it but then you go back to like what they were doing they're trying to dissolve an an empire because another business doesn't want to compete with them anymore and so they're trying to implant that doesn't really like, matter right like that that's just the re- that's just the excuse no i know i know the but yeah. is the inception ethical like do you think it's like no. let's say we could do it let's say we can we can figure well, they, out neither is ga- gaslighting's not ethical and that's that's a, that happens that's a real world thing no, I know, but I, I think it's something that they don't even touch yeah. on in the film that, like, I thought, I think, I mean, there was so much going on, so I'm not saying mm. they should have added it in, but I think that would have been an interesting angle to touch on, like, the efficacy of Inception. Like, is this a good thing to do? Like, mm-hmm. no. Well, I don't think, I mean, the whole... Cobb, we when, one of the first things we really learned about him beyond like he's haunted by the memory of his late ex-wife or late wife um is that he's on the run that he can't come back to america where his kids are right like he's not allowed and we don't know why we slowly kind of learn more and more but he's like clearly he's a criminal of some sort he's considered one even though we you know we we're supposed to like him mm-hmm. and uh like like we're, okay this guy is up to no good you know this like I mean, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt also doesn't seem like a criminal, but they're kind of presented as being criminal. Well, maybe not exactly. They like totally. It's kind of. It's very Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you have you have Leonardo DiCaprio, the smooth talker, and then you have Joseph Gordon-Levitt, his right-hand man who tries too hard. You know, it's just kind of like okay, they're up to something. Yeah. Actually, one of my kind of nitpicks about this cop character is that, like, he's supposed to be super, I guess he is charismatic, you know, it's Leo DiCaprio, but this guy's kind of slimy, and, like, he's riddled with guilt, and he's, we learn later that he's basically lived an entire life within a dream, like, he's grown to be an old person, and, like, this guy has demons, understandably, Um, I almost think, like, he should be more, like, like, I'm picturing, like, Humphrey Bogart, like, you know, kind of, like, weathered, yeah. and, and, like, there's I don't know if you've ever seen the treasure of the Sierra Madre this older much older film from the 40s that and he's just constantly like grimy and slimy and, and sweaty and it's just like that character also has some like edges that I think Cobb has and so Cobb is just like too pretty I think for this so I actually think it should have been more like Saul Goodman mm. and then have the big drastic contrast of like oh shit, like he's going through this thing with, mm. you know, his demons and his past and he's filled with regret, but like he's so charismatic and like, 
he's it's just like it's an act yeah, yeah i think that would have been as much as i love leonardo dicaprio and i'm sure i'm sure he could have done it this way mm-hmm. but i feel like there's not enough you meet him and you already know there's demons you already know there's something else to him and i think it's kind of not that interesting i think it'd be more interesting if he was super just like like fast talker like sell because he doesn't really sell it he kind of talks about it in a weird way but i think it would be more interesting if he talked about it like it was a product and like was like i can do this for you 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 ever want to do this i can do this like i feel like like better like like saul goodman and then contrast to like ariadne's like oh like well why can't we use your or why can't you be the architect or why can't you look at the mazes and he's like oh i i I just can't and then he shut down and you're like what (laughs) like what's going on there i think not the fun not the most fun guy to talk to or just like have a conversation yeah he's like like, hey did you see that game last week and he's like i can't go see my kids anymore (laughs) it's like maybe bury the lead like i don't know He's very right. serious. He's very self-serious. Also, yes. like, we, he is, like, a slimy character because we realize how much he lied to the team. Like, he tells them, like, you can't... They think if you're in a dream and you, you die, you wake up. And he's like, actually, yeah. we're so sedated that if you, you basically might be sent to a purgatory for 50 yep. years. And they're like, you didn't, you didn't tell us that. And he's like, well, yeah, I didn't tell you. <laughs> Just like, so, let's... It's a good segue. Let's go over the rules of the exception. I wrote them all down. Um, So when you die in the dream or free fall, you wake up. That's a rule except for Mm -hmm. the last inception where it doesn't apply. Pain is in the mind. So when you get shot or hurt or punched or something that doesn't kill you, you feel it because it's all mental. there's a dream so there's like different roles for every dream um there's like an architect a producer um i didn't write them down but i but the architect builds the dream so like in the first scene they messed up the carpet and so he Saito knew he was in a dream because mm-hmm. the the carpet wasn't correct mm-hmm. um lower level dreams slow down time so five minutes in the real world is one hour in a dream. And then every layer they go deeper, it like magnifies. It's so it's because yep. yeah, they will go like four levels deep. Dreamers subconscious is uncontrollable. So the projections of the subconscious will attack the subject within the dream that tries to alter the dream's atmosphere. Um, Cobb says never recreate areas from memory. Because that's when you start losing grasp on what's real and what's fake. Which is funny because they film like you know in the real world, so there are like a couple scenes like that that rainy scene with the train. Isn't that just downtown Los Angeles? Or that, I forget well, wherever it is. It's like a it's a real place, so it's like never use whole city blocks. I'm like, well, that's a whole city block. <laughs> There's no getting around it, I guess. But yeah, it's actually it's funny because um not to jump in, but excuse me for jumping in. You're right. That idea that these were all locations that are fragmented um that's kind of what nolan did with the dark knight and dark knight rises is he wanted to make gotham he didn't want to just film in new york however he filmed in new york chicago pittsburgh la Mm -hmm. even and so he kind of did that same pact in creating the world of gotham just as the character does here to create the dream world it's like 
pull from what you know, but you know, just fragments. So it, it's a different. It's like a Frankenstein city. Yeah, I was actually mm -hmm. once I was in Los Angeles going to some museum, and we drove under like it was like an underneath you know road, whatever. Uh, not a tunnel exactly, and I was like, oh, this is totally like it's the Dark Knight Rises. Like there was a scene there in the Dark Knight Rises. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought that was nuts because I, I didn't know they filmed in LA. You know, I know they filmed all everywhere else: New York, Chicago, Pittsburgh. I didn't know that, that. I thought that was so cool. Like they like he does a good job with all the locations. Just and they got the money too, so I guess yeah. Yeah, he filmed for Inception. He actually filmed in um, six different countries: U.S., Morocco, Canada, France, the U.K., mm -hmm. and Japan. It's like they're just flexing muscle, you know. It's like how Game of Thrones could go all over the world. It's like th these are all dreams, so it can be anywhere. It's uh, true. I guess if it was all very similar locations, it wouldn't be very visually exciting. But it's like, yeah, now we're here, and, and that that was pretty. That was pretty. Yeah. Cool. You got the money. You got to spend it. Um, another rule is to have a totem. Mm -hmm. So that um, that was the top that Dom Cobb has, and I think Arthur had the dice. I think that's his name. Um, so that the totem helps distinguish what's real and what's fake. And um, so they hire Ariadne to build mazes, and he tells her, "The better the maze, the longer the projections will leave you alone." Um, you never remember when you're in a dream, you never remember how you get where you are. Then the last one, which we've already talked about, an idea is like a virus. Once it's planted, it's contagious. Those are kind of the, when I, when I watch films, I like to have boundaries. I like to know what's real. I think I've talked about this in multiple episodes, but I like to know, okay, these are the rules. I like to know the rules. And this film kind of plays fast and loose with its own rules. <laughs> mm -hmm. And well, which that's makes a Nolan, it just, yeah, it's a Nolan thing, it is. Like he's creating just, this universe, like he does the same thing with, you know, Tenet. I think, I was thinking about that too, because it's, if you try to keep up with it, you're gonna kind of like run yourself ragged. And I, mm -hmm. I finished watching this again yesterday and I thought I, I, I basically, I was surprised how into what I was because I, I loved the movie when I first saw it. Then I rewatched the first scene not too long ago and it like reeked of, uh, like this film is trying to be really cool, just like self-consciously looking cool. And I like couldn't shake that. And so when I rewatched it, I was expecting that. And then I was like, no, nope, this, this rocks. Like it's just, there's so much going on. And it wasn't even like a lot. There were a couple of moments where it's like, ah, does that, I don't know. But I think it's like, um, you know, it's like a drug trip. You're just like, no, just say yes to it and just go with it. And yeah. I, I like really, I really enjoyed it. And he does, like, he lays out all those rules. Uh, and I think he, he does a good enough job so that you're like, okay, I buy it. But if you really focus on it, yeah, it's going to kind of fall short, I think. I mean, it. Like, they're, okay, here's one, one nitpick, I guess, of okay. probably many, if I really think about it. When, like, they're uh, the second level, it's the hotel. And I know we're jumping around as we, tend to do but joseph gordon levitt is the one who's sort of uh trip sitting all of them <laughs> like they're all and they're all asleep but they're all out and he's the one who's awake and he knows like they have to time it so when they hear this music which can music it's okay. like put in your ears yeah can travel throughout the different levels so they all hear it uh, of course they hear it at different speeds but they know when that happens there's a timer and you have to do this by this time yada yada so he has to start the kick 
Um, and he has like three minutes to, to and they're okay. Jumping. God, I'm really all over the place today. The hard part is there, there's no gravity because the other dream they're in, they're in a that's car funny. that's spinning around. So that's kind of a great little like hook and premise, whatever. Uh, but they have no gravity. So he's like, how do I create a kick with no gravity? And I was like, that's a great question. Like, man, that's a really great question. And then the answer, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> that's enough. Like the answer is he puts them in an elevator and sets off the charge. So like a small explosion. And I'm like, I still don't think that would create the kick. Anyways, it's stuff like that where I'm like. I, well, I was thinking he could just push him into a wall. No, but there's like the, the kick is you're falling at the like the rate of gravity. So what is that? 9.8 meters second squared. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. But to create that, that's a strong push. So I think just getting pushed. Yeah, I, I think it was a little, which is Chris, true Christopher Nolan form. It was a little excessive. It was like, do we really need to explode? Like, set maybe off an explosion. explosion? Maybe that would work. I mean, you buy it enough. And I, I mean, maybe, I guess, yeah, I guess that would work. I don't know. It, yeah, it was strange, but I was like, oh, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's all fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love this movie, I should say. I, I was like really swept up by it again. Yeah. Well, okay, I have some film f- flick facts. I'm trying out a new term here. Flick facts. Flick facts. Would we like, I won't read them all. I have too many. But I'll read the ones I like the most. Okay, go for it. The figure Ariadne, does that name sound familiar to you? Yeah, it's a Greek thing, right? Yes. So uh, Ariadne played an instrumental role in the Greek myth of Thesis and the Minotaur. So she helped escape the Minotaur safely by building a labyrinth. And the actual labyrinth she made that one cob over is the actual um, king minus labyrinth used to Mm. withhold the Minotaur. So I thought that was cool. I love Greek mythology. So I thought thought that was really cool. (laughs) I thought that uh, that whole scene where he's like testing her, he's like, build me a, write me a maze in a minute or whatever. she draws so you said, do you have a minute to, to draw a maze that takes two minutes to two solve? Two minutes to solve. So she draws one. He's like, no, not good enough. She draws another. Not good enough. They're both squares. And she's like, I'll draw a circle. He's like, whoa. I think that's... <laughs> the music gets... The music yeah. changes. Like, she's going to do it. <laughs> I heard that's apparently like that was... They, to- they took that from real life because that's the test Leo gives to the 18-year-olds when he wants to date them or not. He's like, Can she pass the test? So he's like, draw me a puzzle... And then sometimes, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, one other thing is oh. going, it's the only other bit I have about that is when uh, Ariadne, 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 Huffington, Ariadne, she, yeah. She sneaks down into his dream. Like he's just dreaming there in the studio or wherever they are. They're in plain view, not even hiding it. She's like, what, what's he up to? So she, she sneaks into his dream and basically sees the memories he's created. Uh, and he like locks his uh, his deceased wife away, and so Cobb, you know, finds her there. Like they, he pulls her out as uh, as Mal 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 is like Mal. trying to kill them. I don't know what she's doing. And uh, what is it? She uh, she said Mal says you promised. You said we'd grow old together. And he says I'll come back for you. I promise. Like that's also just what he says to his dates when he breaks up, when his girlfriends when he breaks up with them when they turn twenty three. You and promised we'd grow. So are you insinuating that Leo just locks away like uh 18 year olds in his basement? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not that part. Maybe. I don't know. He could. 
I think, okay, so what did you think of Maul? Because I had a hard time separating that from Marie and Cotillard because Maul is who I picture when I think of Marie and Cotillard. Not not because she's so one with this role, just because I heard like she's has some weird uh, theories about the world. So I'm like, this sounds like sounds pretty pretty apt. Yeah, I think the whole thing with her. I mean, I I don't really I don't really like her character that much. But I mean, she is just his projection. Like it's it's kind of a good she's metaphor. A or, she's a character. She exists. But she's it's just like any not any but a lot of female characters in movies written by men you know there's sort of the (laughs) that's what this is she is a character written by a man in a in a situation written by a man you know it's it's so maybe this just says this is what leo thought of her like this is what a cob that's true granted he did kind of gaslight her right that we that's what we learned is that the one time he previously incepted someone it was her because they were they lived together for many years uh in this world this dream world they built and she was convinced it was reality i guess so he he knew the only way to get her out of it so they could see their kids which which they so they brought her back to reality and then when he did when he did she was convinced that was the dream so she's like yeah he the the idea that he incepted her with was we need to die to escape this dream world right and that was so burrowed in her head which makes sense i thought that was a good sort of little backstory that she uh, wanted to go to the next reality. Like, she was convinced this so, wasn't reality. Then she died. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he incepted the idea that they needed to die to come back to reality, which they did. So they, they got hit by the train. And then when she actually came back to the real world, she wasn't convinced that was a real world. Okay, so, and then... Wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about this? She like casually puts in there i've called my attorney and told them that i'm i'm afraid i'm fearful for my life around you so you don't have to worry about leaving the kids because they're gonna get taken away from you anyway yay i have rid you of guilt like what was that i was like yeah she will that yeah um i don't know I don't know. At that point, I was just like, we get the gist of what's going on here. I, I don't know. I, I, I had to rewind and, re- and hear that again because I was like, oh, she just, so she's, she's crazy, but she's, uh-huh. has, she's of sound mind enough to call an attorney and tell them. Like, if she did a dream, if I get she did the, the dream, why would, how would she? even do that know. why would she do that the idea is that she's spinning out of control and that it's 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 Cobb's fault right because he 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 started he gave her the nudge and now of course it just he can't stop the momentum of it um wait one question i had is we learned that they basically lived 50 years or whatever it was in this dream yeah. world which yeah. does not look like an exciting dream world it looks it looks just like a video game ba- background yeah, you're like you what? Get- bored pretty quickly yeah exactly and their kids aren't weren't there right we didn't get any impression their kids were there so they just lived for 50 years their kids were like three and four they're like oh let's go dream for 50 years then we'll come back what it looked like what it looked like the location of where m night Shyamalan's new film is oh the beach part of it the old yeah old yeah the, the old set on a beach i'm thinking of when they're like they're in like some sleek building and you see these skyscrapers all around them it's like wally right they're just building skyscrapers that seems like a yeah. horrible 
that's actually a good marriage test. Like, can you survive 50 years in this purgatory with someone you love? Then you'll know if you should be married. Yeah. And then you go back into the reality and then you actually live life. Yeah, that's something I didn't get. Is that just doesn't seem like, like, why why do they do that? I don't know, but whatever. So I want to talk about the the song. Which song? Oh, the La Vie en Rose. No, the the non genin regret brian that's that's from la viena right that's from the other well it's from the yes it's from edith edith mm-hmm. uh piaf like i'm gonna butcher if anyone edith. speaks french out there i apologize no one speaks french it's a made up it's a made-up language everyone it's knows that fake. yeah it's it's they um, made it up for game of thrones so have you actually did you actually research this song at all i did I researched I just, the shit out of this song, and it's actually my favorite part of the film. Okay, let me speculate. I'd rather speculate than hear your research. Wow. I'm kidding. I'm Rude. kidding. Go, go for it. All I know is it's from <laughs> that movie. Oh, it's from Edith, you know, Edith Biaf and Marine Cook. Yeah. yeah. It's in that movie. And she That's won it. the Oscar for Love okay. and Rose. So she played the role of Edith Piaf in Love and Rose, and she won the Oscar three years earlier to when this film came out. Mm-hmm. And actually, for that reason, Christopher Nolan's Christopher Nolan almost pulled her out of the film because he had picked the song before she was cast. So that actually is not meant to be anything significant. That's a coincidence. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is, let me try to play something. And Matt, you can fix this up when you're doing your editing. Well, so you know when the trumpets blare in the beginning? Mm -hmm. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. It's from the song, right? Yeah. So it's actually the song, Non Geneve Regret Nuran Slowed Down. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's the song, that's the bong, bong, bong. Because the further down you go into the layers of a dream, time slows down. And so it was, the score is just a reflection of that song but slowed down the entire score mm-hmm. that, I mean, that makes sense right that's uh yeah I mean, that makes I've heard, I've heard that before I mean, that makes sense right because uh you know what you know what Matt I what? was sorry this is that, was my is that big supposed... this was my big like whoa moment like I showed it to my husband and he was like that's pretty cool and I was yeah, like I'll... yeah it is edit in my reaction no it is cool I mean that makes sense why he had it picked out for so long because he he knew when you slow it down, it has that ominous, like it, it works perfectly. Also, you have to remember, so this came out when I was 18, right before I went to college. And I, I feel like the first or the last six months of 2010, all I thought about was this movie. So every single theory, oh, gotcha. every single, like I remember we, my roommates playing, we, were, we would just like play the, the soundtrack in our room. I mean, usually as like, a, we're trying to get attention. So I think we just like blast it, but it like, this soundtrack was everywhere and and the music was yeah it was uh yeah that is cool though i mean it works out perfectly right it's right and the song so, is called i regret nothing and the movie's about sort of regret and, him yeah. regretting yeah the movie's about Cobb essentially feeling guilty and feeling regretful so for so you know like let's let's play the non regret ran song let's play the edith Let's play the Edith Piaf song so people can hear. And now let's play the slowed down version 
that's the actual score of the movie. No, that is cool. That is cool. I, I mean, it that works. Was really cool. It works perfectly. The tone of it and everything, like it, it's, it makes sense why it just works on so many levels, or like at least two. I don't know. Yeah. No, I thought it was really cool. I, I thought the song choice was interesting. It's now in a really annoying commercial. So it is? the commercial is what I think about, which I'm sure Christopher Nolan is like pissed off about. <laughs> What's the commercial? I don't even remember. I don't know what it's selling. It's just like this. There's a car driving with Jello on top of it. Maybe car insurance. That's probably my best. That's my guess. It's car insurance. But I think of that commercial now. I don't think of Inception anymore. It is funny how that happens. Um, so, did you have something you want to? You have a segment you you've prepared. I have a lot. So mm. I'm just I'm just going into it when whenever. No, I. Pause. I have a lot of scattered thoughts. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't think, I mean, the thing that I was curious about is the story is really just about Cobb and his guilt and his kids and yada, yada. But second to that, it's about Cobb and Ariadne because she's sort of the first person he recruits and she, she's with him almost until the very end. And so I was like, well, what's the significance of this? Cause like they don't Ariadne, really have, yeah. Ariadne is just the audience. And that's something that actually got, it was helpful, but also simultaneously very, annoying and overdone was how many questions she'd ask <laughs> that were the audience questions and it was Christopher Nolan's attempt at answering the audience's questions and uh -huh. it felt a little lazy I feel like it was for something like this and something this complex it's necessary mm -hmm. I don't know how they would have done it without that but there's a term for it you've told me you're the filmmaker what's I it agree. called it's called like compositional exposition yeah you know on hbo or at least in game of thrones they call it sex position because that's when they would have the most nudity it's like earlier in a season when they're trying to convey you know who's who what's what it'll happen during a sex scene oh so it would distract people because exposition kind of sucks but you need it in a lot of movies and especially yeah. in a nolan movie and so the, the the trick is like how do you i mean ideally you convey exposition you convey what you need to know as the story is being told. An example of this, I think, is Fargo. That does a really good job. Because Fargo, the very first scene is William H. Macy meeting, uh, you know, sort of the two guys he hires to kidnap his wife, to stage a kidnapping of his wife, which is kidnapping, they kidnap her. So the first scene, we don't know who he is. We don't know where he is. We don't know why he is, so what's going on. And the first scene is him meeting them. And they're like, do you have the money, yada, yada. So in that case, you're learning what's going on as the story is progressing. In other cases, like here, I, I you know, it's just kind of like, okay, just tell me what's what's happened. What is this? Right. But you kind of so need would you that. would you say good exposition is not having to explain something, but having mm -hmm. the audience figure it out, or is good exposition explaining something, but in a way that it's not it's not just blatantly saying it? I, I guess mean, they kind either, of are the same thing. But yeah, either, but it's really the whole idea is show, don't tell, right? So it's like, if you can mm -hmm. convey the information visually, that's why a lot of people kind of hate on a uh, voiceover because voiceover, you know, in certain movies, it's just there. Like sometimes I think they'll have a movie, it's not coming together in the edit. So they're like, let's just slap on some voiceover and someone can explain what's going on. But voiceover watched... can also be used well. So yeah, very true. 
Um, have you watched Mayor of Easttown? Yeah. I feel like that has really good exposition. I feel like that movie, and it was noticeable, that movie you, she never says, it's a small town, we know everyone. You learn that very quickly yeah, that's, in that's that good. show. And like, I feel like that's a good example of like, they made a point to show how small that town was, how like in, in, intertwined everyone is, but mm-hmm. she, it could have been, that could have been captured with her just saying like, small town, everyone knows me, you know? You know, yeah, no, I think you're right. It's a good point. Um, especially when like she, let's say like she's a cop, let's say they arrest someone or something and she addresses that person by their first name, like without even, you know, she already knows who they are, stuff like that. Yeah. And in this movie, I mean, Inception is like, a, it is a puzzle movie. And so the whole, I think you kind of have to be leaning in, asking questions to some extent. So I'm trying to think how that, uh, if that changes the equation in any way. I, I think it was fine. I think it's necessary in this film. I just think it got a little out of control. It got a little too, it got too well, explainy. Like, like when, mm-hmm. when Cobb is walking with Ariadne and like, Mm. talking about well those are projections <laughs> well she's like well why can't you stop them from staring at you that's my subconscious you can't control the subconscious it What's was just scary is like to kind of defend the movie and whether or not it does it well the point of that scene is exposition but second to that it's also to to show oh it's mall right mall and like and and she's like it's violent and and at the end uh when mal or whoever kills uh ariadne in the dream and she wakes up she tells Cobb, like that's some subconscious you have there and and so you are learning other information and i, I actually might i wonder if maybe all the stuff at all it's doled out so slowly that it's almost like they have so much exposition that they're like let's just take this is this other story we're going to tell during the exposition scenes we have to just give out a little information just to make it seem worthwhile but it's just like it's just so slow and yeah it almost seems like in another version of this movie or some other movie, we could learn more about Cobb's backstory pretty quickly. We don't need to keep learning. Oh, that's why. Oh, so he's this. Oh, that. It's like, yeah, I if see you do that all up front, yeah. that's probably fine. But they really take their time. Like, yeah. And so maybe that's sort of how they look at well, it. It's like, we're giving out this. Yeah, whatever. Also, like kind of my point about him being more of a, contrasting character like more of like a sleazy salesman and then (laughs) like has this deep dark secret I feel like that would make him more like likable I feel like you'd be more not likable but like more more interesting I'd be you'd be more curious like why is he so you know like like in Better Call Saul like Mm -hmm. Saul Goodman is a sleazy attorney but you learn this other side of him and you like him and you're and you're like oh he's super interesting and likable I feel like as likable as Leonardo DiCaprio is sometimes, <laughs> likable in terms of looking at him, um, I feel like this this character isn't that interesting. Like, I don't care. I, I found myself not caring about his relationship with Maul. I found it to be mm-hmm. pointless. And like, wh- why is this in here? Like, like in, in the Inception mission, mm-hmm why did they have to go through his subconscious like this was very confusing like i have no idea okay so i wrote down the inception journey okay level zero is on the plane so that's where they start Mm -hmm. they start on the plane it's a 10-hour flight from 
Tokyo to LA or something uh, like that? Sydney. Sydney to LA. Yeah. Um, and then level one is the abandoned warehouse um, where they're where they're in the van. And I I was confused. Like, whose dream is this? Because I, I thought it was so Robert they, Fisher's mind. Well, that was, uh, uh, so I think the first one is supposed to, or, no, was it? Because it's a different person's, each time it's someone else's, right? Like, every, every time they go a level deeper, it's a different person's. Because I think, um, like, they do break into Fisher's mind for the very last, or, you know, the second to last one. Oh, no, maybe what, okay, sorry. So you asked why they have to go into his mind. I think at the very end, it's because they their initial plan failed because Fisher gets shot by mom and effectively dies or is about to die. And so... But but then weren't they already he, in his mind? Because Maul showed up. Why did Maul show up? Because the projections only show up in the dreamers' subconscious. Well, I don't think it was that. I think like his projection... Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Because I thought the whole thing was the whole thing was that like Maul, she could still show up because she does show up in the first she doesn't show up in the first level, but the train shows up and the train I thought was you know supposed to be like a sign of like that she can break she in. She shows up in the second level. Yeah, the kids show up in the second level in the in the oh, hotel. They do, that's right. So maybe it's just that like I don't know exactly. I mean, I feel like this was explained and I can't, I don't remember why or how. When he told, when he told Ariadne, like, I can't design the dreams because then she'll be everywhere. I, I took that to mean she can still work her way in. It's just if she doesn't know the layout, she'll have a harder time finding him. So that means I you always, can then, bring... then, okay, going with that, why aren't other people's projections showing up in the dream? Because they go to therapy. It's not a big deal. <laughs> they're there. They're just like watching they the birds Xanax. in the trees. Yeah, they're fine. He's just. <laughs> no one they're, else really... is complicated. No one else is complicated. They really miss you. Dude, if, I, if Inception is real, I, maybe it costs a shit ton of money. It probably would. But let's say I could just pull out, I don't know, let's say I could pull out a few hundred dollars and do. Crappy Inception is probably as bad as anything. It's like a terrible drug. But Incept, like, like we all have negative core beliefs, right? We all have the insecurities. Just go Incept in, like, a positive version of that. Like, you know what? My feet are beautiful. <laughs> you know what? Like, my nose isn't crooked. And I walk around just feeling so confident because I'm like, you know, my, feet, my nose is, like, is awesome. That's like, that's like the Amy Schumer film. I feel pretty... Is that, that I haven't seen that no is it like a, oh god it's good where she she falls in a spin class <laughs> the whole first scene it's hilarious you need to see it she's like asking for a size <laughs> six shoe and uh-huh. this is at soul cycle and they're like size size six because size seven and like size seven who's like size nine and a half <laughs> why yeah. they're like wide yeah like a wide shoe and then the person behind the counter goes what hey jason do we have a wide shoe that would fit somebody with a normal and she's like you know what no it's fine it's fine (laughs) and it just it it starts off like she has a lot of like insecurities and then she hits Mm. her head she falls off the bike hits her head and then sudden she sees herself as a totally different person she sees herself as like a supermodel like she thinks she's so pretty and there's this you can cut all this out by the way i just love this movie there's this one part where she goes 
she asked her friends to meet her at a bar. Uh-huh. And she looks the exact same, by the way. She looks the exact same to everyone else. But to her, she looks different. So her friends meet her at a bar. And it's like, it's like a bunch of girls from Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. um, actresses. And <laughs> they show up and they're like, hey. And she's like, guys, it's me. It's <laughs> Renee. <laughs> she's like spinning. And they're like, okay she's like look at me <laughs> she looks the exact same it's so funny it's a I'm funny funny movie this. i like amy schumer you watch it. it's on hulu oh. so i'm gonna bookmark it yeah well so i feel like it's like obviously this movie's not about that this movie is about you know hmm. but yeah the, no this this movie's about like no i understand what you're saying like but it's just to it just didn't, like I said, didn't follow its own rules. And like, how are Dom, what kind of a name? Can we talk about this? I thought about that. When he sees Michael Caine, I was like, Michael Caine, like, yeah. I was like, so Michael Caine named his son Dom, Dominic. Dom Dom. Cobb and Maul. Well, it's spelled, apparently it all spells out Dreams Pay. If you take all the characters, I guess it spells out Dreams Pay, their first letter. I was like, okay. That was something like a sixteen-year-old would write. If a sixteen-year-old wrote like a, a heist movie, it's like screenplay. Yeah, like and I was really into that when when I was younger. It's like you wanted everything to be a puzzle. Like why does? It, yeah. And I think that's what I don't like about the movie, or is sort of the the not the cult around this, but sort of the the way a lot of Nolan films are kind of digested is it's like it's about the puzzle. It's like did you know this means this? Like I don't fucking care. Like it's like life. Let it be. Let it be what it is. And yes, you know. <laughs> Like, there is an incl- inclination to solve it, but it's the same reason I got really tired of um, Westworld. It's like, did you know this yeah. is actually this? And it's like, I don't know. Like, maybe, <laughs> who cares, no. you know? And this is honestly why I've been I've been struggling because I, I, I do like Christopher Nolan. I do like Leonardo DiCaprio, but I really don't like this film. It's, oh. it's just not, I know. And it's just... I love the idea of it. I love dreams. And I love, like, I, I wrote down my dreams for a long time. And I, you realize, like, when you write your dreams down, you can actually start controlling them a little bit more. You start remembering them more. Um, dreams are fascinating. And there's really not a lot of studies done about dreams because they're just, it's so individual and personal to every, every person. And so... I love the idea that it messes with dreams, but when I was doing research for this film, Christopher Nolan actually didn't pull from anything that's scientific. He pulled from his own experience with dreams, and which is cool, but also like, you're really not, it's really not about dreams. It's well, like- so the movie's not trying. And that's, that's, I don't... What I, that's what I like about it is like, yeah. It's like trying to Playing be this fast Ocean's Eleven. Dreams. Yeah, it's like trying to be this Ocean's Eleven, but let's get like cognitive. Like, no, that, like so it's... his whole, I think his whole thing was like, it doesn't matter that it's dreams. It's just different levels of whatever. It's just an excuse to go Conscious. from one place to another place, like literally a different place. And then the fact that there's time, like dilation only adds to it because he loves time. Like he loves, you know, Memento, half it's told yeah. backwards and forward. Uh, uh what was it interstellar there's the whole thing when they go to a certain place it's like time moves differently here dunkirk which is a solid movie 
literally has three separate storylines that you cut between and they all take place. One takes place over the course of like a week, a day and an hour or something. So they're all taking place in different time, like realms of time. And yet he's cross cutting. Uh, and then you have Tenet, which is of course about, you know, it's about people mm. who can literally move in reverse. And so like, I think he just has these like ideas and he's like, yes, can I make this work? And, and the dream part of it, like, I think it doesn't even, you know, it's just, that's a dream. Okay. Like it's, uh, I don't know. I like the idea of going to the subconscious and I was actually struck by how much of it I thought was kind of, maybe not poignant, but like the idea of implanting ideas, how they can spread like, you know, wildfire or just how everything ties back to emotion, like his whole thing. It's like a business goal to like, let's break up the company and they tie it back to his relationship with his dad. And, and just like, maybe it's just because, uh, you know, a therapy, but you think like how everything ties back to these like core ideas or beliefs or whatever, and then they manifest themselves in other ways. So right. just that idea of like playing around with that, even if it's kind of yada yada or simplified, like I thought was kind of cool. Well, yeah. and, and that's what therapy helps you do is it, it helps you take these complex beliefs or um, ideas or perspectives you have about yourself or or other people and you know in therapy you're asked okay break that down what is that feeling what is that emotion tied to that is and it most of the time it's fear most of the time it's fear it's fear of being rejected fear of you know it's it's anxiety it's fear and so i i like that like like breaking something down to the simplest form i actually that think that could have been done more in the movie um i wish there's no room for this in the movie. It's already jam packed, but I kind of want to know like what else everyone like Arthur. That guy's got to have some shit going on. Like let's let's learn about his demons. Like I I just kind of I like the idea of this, and we get enough with Cobb and it's Cobb. It's like yeah, he's kind of boring, whatever. Like it's fine. Like I want to know what Arthur's up to, or like he and Eames, right? Tom Hardy. They have this this relationship. Yeah. That'd be great if you could go into the subconscious and find out. Like you know, I don't know whether that's not as simple and cheesy as they're really in love with each other, but there's some thing. There's something like. I just want to know about talk, other characters. Can we talk about that cringeworthy scene where Joseph Gordon-Levitt kisses Elliot <laughs> Page and it's that was like... Odd. Quick, give me a kiss. You can hear the lips. It's smack. such... Oh, every woman in that film, two, there were two, had a love interest. Like, and it was so I would so say there were love interests. It's just but that, like, like oh, he wants to kiss her. Yeah, so it is... It did feel it hacky, like yeah. Thrown in, like, oh, there's a girl in this movie. Uh, someone needs to kiss her. Like, it was so just cringy. I was Ar like, Arthur, no, just let her, let her be. Mm -hmm. Like, just not like, oh, it was so frustrating to me. I was just, yeah, I was like screaming at that scene. I would oh. say Arthur, aka Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is the least attractive hot person in this movie I've ever seen. Like, I think he's, he's objectively the least attractive good looking. Hot person in every movie. No. <laughs> like, I can't yeah. stand him. I don't That's, think you're not the first actor. person who said that. I know multiple people who just for some reason cannot stand Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I don't I don't understand it because he's peppy. My husband can't stand him. My husband really and, and he's always like and I, I feel this way about a lot of actors and he's like why like why you know but Joseph Gordon-Levitt he's like I can't stand the guy. I don't know why. I, Maybe that's what most people talk about in therapy is just like why do I not Joseph like Gordon Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Like I don't get it. Like let's, <laughs> let's where does this be, come from? That should be one of the questions when they they ask <laughs> When they show you the the ink blots, <laughs> like what do you see here? And then like, like, 
What are your thoughts on Joseph Gordon-Levitt? And it can like tell tell them what kind of what do you personality see here? you have. I see, I see Joseph Gordon-Levitt giving a TED talk. Hmm. And what, what about this one? I see Joseph Gordon-Levitt at the craft services table. Hmm. <laughs> you have a lot of... <laughs> no, okay, the, the weird thing, I whenever I, I think of this movie, because it came out the year after 500 Days of Summer, which I loved growing up. I, okay, I, I do love that movie, but I think it's because but, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays like a, a weird like a, a guy who needs some a help. loser yeah he plays a guy yeah that's the that's the trouble i have with the movie i mean the movie owns it it's not about the movie it's just about that character when i was yes. 17 and i saw it and i identified with him and then when i got a little bit older i'm like oh no <laughs> i identified with this guy like you get it but he's also just kind of a sad character who just like like the whole idea is this girl was very direct and clear with him and he just couldn't see beyond he had all these blinders on and whatever yeah the impulse but he's he's got to do some work and great great movie at that movie we get the idea that he's done the work not really because it just like he meets autumn and then the the calendar flips so it's like oh right he hasn't learned his lesson but you get the impression in the third act like oh he's getting his life together why because he slicked his hair back that's it (laughs) and then you get inception it's like oh his hair is still slick like i can't step i always it's him. It's the same guy who wrote greeting cards and now he like designs dreams or whatever he does. It is the same character. It is the same character like at the end Erica. of 500 Days of Summer. It's like, hmm, I've survived the breakup. Like now all the women want me. Um, like, time for I don't me. know. Now when I see people with slicked hair like that, I'm like, oh man, like a year ago they had their hair down and they were sketching in notebooks and wearing tennis shoes. And now they have their hair slicked back and they hold briefs. And their suits. They've seen some stuff. Yeah. And they kiss random women telling them, oh, I'm supposed to do this. And then they're like, worth a shot. And it's supposed to be cute. (laughs) When it's not, it's just Yeah, also his voice. His voice. Like, I think he's a charismatic guy in person, but his voice in this is so odd. It's like, yeah, it's just very stilted. It's very... He acts like somebody who, like, someone told him, you're going to be in a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to be his right-hand man. And then he's like, okay, oh, oh, okay, okay. Like, Let me... I got it. I got clench. it. I'll, I'll slick my hair back. I'll wear a suit. Like, look, we got this. And then he meets Leo, and he's like, we got this. And he's just, like, trying too hard. And Leo, it's just so natural. Like, you probably, just... probably asked Leo, like, on set, he's like, hey, uh, man-to-man. Who do you think is going to get top billing in this movie? <laughs> Leo's just like he's probably like probably like Leo got this girl's number last night. Didn't call it. <laughs> what? Didn't call it? Oh, just <laughs> bragging about it. He's showing yeah. Leo. He probably because he knows Leo has a reputation, so he's like, "Oh, Leo will love." It. He's probably acting up for Leo. Like he's he's probably the nice yeah. JGL's probably the nicest guy. He's like a serial monogamous. He likes staying in on the weekends, but he's like, oh, Leo is a party animal. I got to up my game. I got to like relate to him. It's like someone who, a he guy. He a photo like, out of a magazine of a girl and is like, I banged her last night. Yeah. What do you think? Mich- Michelle Monahan. He's like, is that, is that Michelle Monahan? Oh, I don't, I don't know. It's just some person. <laughs> like Napoleon no, Dynamite. No. When he took the Napoleon Dynamite, when we had the photo and the glossy. Yeah, I like to, yeah. I like to think JGL was just like, because his whole role feels so self-conscious like like that guy <laughs> like he, like tom hardy i feel like he just lives that character he just feels like yes. oh yeah that's him well he's just got the swagger like yeah. joseph gordon leave it this is the problem joseph gordon leave it doesn't have the swagger but he plays these roles that are supposed to have the swagger like the don john movie still which, haven't seen it he directed that he's 
Yes, and Scarlett Johansson is a love. It felt like had an Adam Sandler movie when he's married to Kate Beckinsale. Like, in what world? Like, in what world is Adam Sandler married to Kate Beckinsale? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just like, Joseph okay, gordon is just like, if you could, oh, I'm, I could choose so, any actress I want to be my love interest in Scarlett Johansson. Like, no, dude. So, I will say, like, I, so I do like, of course, we've talked about it, 500 Days of Summer. And he, I think he was well cast in that role also because like his character is oblivious, right? That's kind of it. But then I think he was great in 50-50, you know, that, that movie where- right. Seth Oh, with Seth Just Rogen. like a really nice movie. And it's just a, it's a modest character. Like it's, it just felt very natural. I thought he was great in that. Um, trying to Angels figure out- Oh, oh my God. I love Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, that was like one of the he's movies- well cast that in that. I mean- no, he's not. I think he's just been poorly casted. I don't think he's a terrible mm. actor. I think he's just been in a lot of films that aren't aren't like Dave Franco's kind of a similar person mm. to me. Like Dave Franco kind of comes across as like trying too out. hard. Yeah. Like he doesn't really have whatever that is that like Tom Hardy have. Leonardo DiCaprio, like pretty much everyone in Ocean's Eleven has it. Um, they just don't have it. And like, that's fine, but they can just play other roles. They can play the mm. loser. Yeah, I guess JJ, I guess his character is pretty like meant to be kind of slick. Like I always thought of his character as being kind of nerdy in this movie. And they, maybe that wasn't intentional, you know? I, there's one other movie, The Lookout from 2007, as a really good movie that uh, he's in. He, oh my God. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Have you ever heard of this movie, The Lookout? No. It's, um, it's, so the premise is Chris, goes to JGL, is a once promising high school athlete whose life is turned upside down following a tragic accident. He has memory problems. As he tries to maintain a normal life, he takes a job as a janitor at a bank where he ultimately finds himself caught up in a planned heist. A solid movie, Jeff Daniels is in it. Do you know what, do you want to guess? <laughs> I don't know why you would get this. Do you want to guess what his character's name is? Who's? Joe Scorn Levitt. I don't know. And there's no reason um, you'd get it. It's just, I think it's funny. His name is Chris Pratt. Really? Yeah, that's his character's name is Chris Pratt. I just think that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's it's like if he played a character named Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> like, wait. <laughs> he plays George Clooney. Like, that can't be right. <laughs> oh, did you know that uh, Dom Cobb was... <laughs> Or Brad Pitt and Will, Will Smith were asked to play Dom Cobb, but they um, turned it down. Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt do it. Hmm. I'm not, I mean, I'm having a hard time picturing that, but even if you were said Leo DiCaprio, I'm like, yeah, I can't picture that either. <laughs> he was, he, hmm. I think Leonardo DiCaprio, again, love the guy. He was kind of wasted in this movie. I don't think, I think he plays yeah. an action hero. I don't he think does he's sort needed. Of I think sink below. I mean, it's it's so it's it's such a spectacle that it'd be hard to rise above that. I think, um, but he does feel a little neutered in a way. It's like okay, we get what he's going for, and like I think he does a good job, but I, yeah, but I don't think he was needed. I think he. It's, it's that's like, why it shouldn't you know, be a movie star. I feel like like I just don't think it. This movie needs a movie star in that role because it is so much about the spectacle and 
and like he's a character who's kind of not weak but he's struggling like he's having a hard time he's he's basically a junkie right he he can't dream anymore unless they give him that sedative or whatever he said yeah yeah i feel like, like Leo, leonardo dicaprio needs so he either needs to be in a role in a movie that requires extraordinary acting because he's a great actor or he needs to be this charismatic like wolf of wall street type character i feel like mm, neither larger than of life those, sort of yeah yeah i feel like who do you, you think know, all the movies he's in like you know Django and chain he's you know he's, he plays kind of both like he mm-hmm. he's kind of this crazy and that, that villain. character calvin candy in that movie he's not even yeah. in it until like the midpoint so he's right he's and just he's someone in a very referenced. small part of it so like because he's kind of he's built up so he is sort of a larger than life presence this character could have been played by keanu reeves seriously Mm. yeah exactly like it could be it doesn't need to be him oh Colin brick Farrell. brick another good movie with uh jgl see there this exists uh, um <laughs> colin farrell that he could have played colin farrell. yeah i can see colin farrell because he plays kind of greasy sometimes he can do it and he can be charismatic um yeah it's like it's got to be someone yeah someone who can be sort of charismatic I don't know why. I don't. I mean, I guess because his clientele are these like high rollers, so it's like a self-conscious charisma that this character would have to have because he's like, I know I need to play up to their what they. I got one for you. You're gonna like this. Billy Zane. (laughs) Hmm, Okay, I think (laughs) Billy Zane. Because I think he could do like the self-conscious charisma. Like he can play the part, but then when he's falling apart. I think every movie we should find a role for Billy Zane. Like that Billy should Zane be that should be, be our challenge. Like who would Billy Zane play? In this case, I think he'd play the Killian Murphy role. The what role? Killian Murphy, the guy who played the guy. They're they're Mark Robert Fisher. He's a good oh. actor. Oh, like. yeah. Fuck, I want to know who who would play this who would play this character. Like, I'm surprised uh, you didn't recra- recast this movie. I thought about it. I didn't do it. Honestly, um, like honest to honest to Jesus, I think this entire movie could be ca- recasted. In, Matthew McConaughey. Like, I, I think he could know. play a guy falling apart. Uh, I think I Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Oh, Colin mine, Farrell's mine. good. Colin Farrell. I really want to figure this out, but um, probably won't figure it out now. <sighs> yeah. Anyways, well, what else we got? I mean, we've been talking for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. Um, oh, I got a question for you. What's up? So the whole idea is if you go deep enough into someone's sub, 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 whatever, subconscious, they're hiding their darkest secrets or whatever it is in like a vault of some kind or some kind of thing. And each person's probably different. So what, what would your safe room look like in your the deep recesses of your mind? Would it so, be a snowy mountain like uh, Robert Fisher? Would it be, I don't know, what else? What does this house? room represent? What is it supposed to represent? It's just like it's like core beliefs, right? It's like something that means a lot to you. Like the like in in Robert Fisher's case, it was his dying father. I don't know exactly how it plays, but the idea is safe. To, yeah, it's like that childhood photo of him and his dad next to his dying dad. It's like that. That was the essence of. Well, I don't, I don't know. That's not all of him, but that's. So it, it contains like secrets, not necessarily sinister secrets. Secrets. It's just. I don't know what mine would look like. I. I'd like to think my vault would be like a beach. 
like similar to the limbo that's, area, that's, that's nice. but not not doesn't look like that. Like more tropical, more tropical. That looks like an Oregon beach. Yeah, that's, that's that's like a nice way. Mine would be like a locker, a personal locker at a twenty four hour fitness. With smelly socks. Smelly socks, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, With a jock strap like hanging. <laughs> paper slips that say like, uh, I don't know what I don't know what it would say. Kind of embarrassed to say what it would say. Crooked nose. Believes nose is crooked. Aww. Can't be convinced otherwise. This is turning, this is quickly turning to Matt's insecurities revealed himself podcast. <laughs> what, what else do I got? I probably got others. I actually like a lot of things about myself, which is good. I shouldn't say actually. I have a question I, for you. Do yeah. you ever have repetitive dreams? And if so, what are they? Um, no, short answer, no. But I, that does remind me of a dream I wanted to tell you about. But you go ahead. You, you, have, a, you have a point. I do have repetitive dreams. I have... So I, I do have dreams where I'm on a tropical beach and oh, it's at the end of like I'm leaving soon. And so I'm trying to mm-hmm. soak it in. So that's one repetitive dream. Is it a Another nice, that sounds nice. It's nice. It, it's a little, yeah, it's nice, but it's, it's some, it's like something's ending. That's the feel oh. like it's ending. Oh, like bitter. My time is limited. And then yeah. A lot of time in my dreams, the second dream that, that actually repeats itself quite often is I'm in school, high school, college, whatever, mm-hmm. and I get a syllabus, or sometimes I don't even get it. Sometimes I'm like, shit, I need to get my print my syllabus, so I have to go and print it, and I don't know where any of my classes are. I don't know the campus. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be in class, but I'm late. Sometimes it's, there's different versions. Another version is that I show up to a class that I haven't, I've missed the past month. And, and I'm like, oh, we have a project due. And it's just, it's just this, this repetitive theme of being late or being like not knowing where to go, being unprepared. Mm-hmm. And I hate being unprepared. I hate that feeling. And so it's somewhat of a nightmare to say the least. <laughs> so... I guess I have had, yeah, no, I know that feeling and I hate that too. I used to work at an old, like a retirement community in college. Um, it's old folks. I don't know, Cape Turks now. It seems like it's not, but uh, they were very folksy. You know? I worked in a kitchen and I had so many stress dreams about that job. Like that, like I would be in a dream and someone would say, oh, like the dinner rush started 30 minutes ago and you haven't even taken a single order and more people are just piling up and I would just like freak out. So that, that's sort of one, I guess, that was kind of repetitive. Um, the dream I had the other night, two nights ago, just because that's been on my mind, is uh, we were, like, on the coast of Ireland, or I don't know where, and they had, I don't know, me and some other people. It's like it was my family in the dream, but I didn't recognize them. You know, they're just people I was with. And we were visiting the wreckage of the Titanic. Like, they had salvaged it. It didn't, like, they like as it sunk. So I guess we were in 1914 and they had dragged it so we could actually walk on to it as it's the wreckage and i remember walking on like the deck of the titanic the woods all bent and curved and like you know destroyed in some areas but other areas it's still intact and the horrifying part of it was we weren't going there as like a rescue mission we were just like well some of the people we love are stuck in there and that's it <laughs> like it was like they were there 
like we had knew like the people who died were still in the ship but it was right there but we still couldn't get to them and it was like well, that's it's a bummer that's you know really depressing it's sad when i woke up it wasn't sad in the dream it was i mean it was like kind of sad but it was more when i woke up i was like oh god like that is kind of horrifying i went through a phase yeah. where i was reading about shipwrecks and that like there are some fascinating really sad stories um as as is the case with sh- any kind of wreck i suppose i also i bet you we're dream. gonna we're gonna have some crazy dreams tonight after talking about dreams maybe i hope so in a dream a few weeks ago i had to euthanize a dog and i woke up crying Matt, I did. Why? I'm telling you what. Like you have really dark dreams. My dreams are like another dream I have all the time. Is like (laughs) I meet celebrities. I meet like people randomly, and I become friends with them. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't actually know them. Wait, wait. There was a second part to this dream. In it, uh, uh, Robert De Niro walks in and says, hey, you didn't euthanize my dog, did you? And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. That, that didn't happen. <laughs> it was sad. Me. It was sad, though. Yeah, that's you a cool dream. I've me. had dreams like that. <laughs> that's pretty good. Where, I don't acknowledge where you it. meet people? Where you meet people you want to meet? No, where you, you something happens that you're so excited about, and then you wake up, and you're like, fuck. Like, yeah. That's not real. Yeah, that happens to me a lot. And you wake up, and you're like, no, man, like, Reese Witherspoon is like one of my favorite people of all time. She's a, I think she's a great person. I don't actually know her, but I feel like she's a good, solid role model. And I have, I have dreams with her where we're like drinking tea or having a picnic on the lawn. And it's like, this is so cool. And she's super cool and down to earth. And I'm just have this feeling of like, I'm friends with Reese Witherspoon. How cool is this? (laughs) And then I wake up and I'm like, yeah, she doesn't know my name. She doesn't know I exist. Yeah. It's okay. Maybe, maybe <laughs> she maybe she also had the dream and she was like, huh, that person keeps showing up in my dream. We're like dream friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be cool. Ooh. That would be cool. It's like, ooh, that would be a good movie. You ever wondered like, about that? Movie. Like, like oh. any, I always wondered like, like when we, I was younger. Well, because like they talk about like deja vu and stuff and like how because I have deja vu actually not very often but like Sometimes. when you have it it feels like mm-hmm. this has happened before in a dream like that that's what it usually is for me it's not usually i have lived through this before it's like no this exact moment in time where every like the person mm-hmm. talking behind me is saying something i'm looking at something the smells everything is the same in in a dream i had like yeah and it would be weird it would be crazy how crazy would that be if you like saw somebody like a stranger and you were like i dreamt about you like i saw you in my dream and we were friends and then what if they're like you know like they had the same they might not remember their dreams like they might have it but they you know some people don't remember their dreams so that'd be that's true that would be whoa this sort of yeah i used to wonder about this when i was a kid i was like because especially usually it's just if i dreamed about like a girl in my class in middle school and i was like "Does does she know i had she was in my dream and I would just like stare at her all day. I'm like, she, no, no, I don't think she knows. Do you ever have a dream about somebody you know? And then even if you don't know them that well, but you have like this urge to tell them, but you're like, mm, mm, yeah, coworkers. Weird? Not <laughs> yeah, a lot, coworkers. but like, like coworkers, because you're like, you know them well enough. You spend a lot of time with them. And yeah. then you're like, like, like one of, I mean, I don't know if I use names, but one of our old coworkers told me once I was in her dream and I was like, like I was flattered. It's flattering to be in someone's dream. Like, I don't know. <laughs> The immediate reaction is like, 
Oh. oh. Was I? So was I'm I... I'm occupying space in your subconscious. Oh, that's. A... That'd be a, <laughs> well, that should be like a, a weird, Valentine's Day. Just card. a weird like opener. You were in my yeah. dream last night. Like that's just. But it's just a yeah. Weird... I, I want to say I tell people sometimes, but it, it's also like it is like it's a vault. It's like yeah, some part of me was thinking about you, even if it's just like a like a very benign, you know, whatever, fine. Like it's not, it could be somebody you don't even like, you know, but it, it is very flattering. Like I was in your dreams. No, you were in you my have no control. You have no control over it. It's not like yeah. I was consciously like making sure that you were there. It's like, no, like, <laughs> and random people show up in my dream, like people I don't think about ever. And then all of a sudden, boom, like, mm. whoa, where'd that come from? You know? Well, it's it's so, similar to like, if you see someone walking around and you're like, you think you're like, Oh, is that so-and-so? And it's not, but you sort of project, like they might look enough yeah. like that person, but that person must have some space in your mind that you thought of them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's just fascinating. Like therapy. Yeah. There's a lot of dreams are therapy cool. connections. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had some, I, I got bummed when I can't remember them. I, I like dreams. I think that concludes inception. So you, um, you don't like it. You said you don't like it no i can't i can't consciously say i liked it i i can't and i paid attention this time and i took i took notes and it was just not my cup of tea i mean i didn't want to like it it's a it's a no for me it's a yes for you we're yeah that's the thing is that like i didn't want to like it because i i went in with this sort of bias of like this movie thinks it's so cool and slick and it's just about yeah. puzzles and like I'm associating with a certain online culture of people being obsessed with like any movie or show or like Lost. I like Lost but it's like what is this and it's like who cares it doesn't mean anything yeah. and so I'm right. like but the part of the reason I liked it is I thought it was well executed like it's hard to pull all this off and like I got a little emotional during some moments like when he sees his kids at the end like you know it's like it's like such faces. a and it's like maybe it's a somewhat manipulative the music's great but it's just like everything's operating in the right like all the the right ingredients are there and like when he tells Ma like we did grow old together and he just show the old hands like touching like that, that got to me I was like oh like that I was surprised and I, it's like I don't think it's the most poignant thing ever but I'm like the fact that like I, I felt anything I was like oh so they're like I don't know I, I was surprised and I thought a lot of the action set pieces were like thrilling and inventive and I was just like yep I can just sit down and just roll with this so yeah yeah I mean I I teeter somewhere in the middle if there's a spectrum I'd be in the middle but since we pick what side we have to pick you know I I would definitely be leaning more towards the hate it do the paper thing oh so that means for Inception, we are split again. <laughs> that was a good. What if you just like ripped your like birth certificate? You're like, oh, I should <laughs> not have ripped that. Oh, that was my social security card. Oh. Uh... <laughs> Super flimsy. I guess social security uh... cards are flimsy, right? They're not like laminated. Why aren't they laminated? I don't know. They should be they, laminated. Like, keep this forever. Like it's a piece of paper. Yeah, yes. it's like wait, I'm I'm going to lose this. I know that for a fact. <laughs> It's next to my McDonald's McDonald's gift card in a like a Metro Pass from that one time I was in England. Like, I'm not gonna. But I have every this. receipt I've ever, <laughs> yeah. everything I've ever purchased, just sitting in my purse, but I can't find my Social Security. Yeah, card. man, Social oh, Security cool. cards should be. They should be. They yeah. Should be like this heavy, 
like you should like always know your yeah you should always know you're holding it that you bolt down somewhere like okay yeah. that's my social security statue i guess you just like put it in a bank vault right like everyone has their little bank box and you put it in there yeah. that, that's the thing to do i i i uh yeah i don't know i can't think of a joke <laughs> um i just yeah sew mine to my shirt and whatever shirt i wear that day i have to re-sew it in you've done yeah. Just, you never lose it. <laughs> like, hi, uh, you, a coffee for, uh, and what's your name? I'll just use the, my number. It's, uh, <laughs> I just go by that. It's easier. Hi, 814. And uh, <laughs> I was almost going to say my actual social security number. Maybe I shouldn't say <laughs> no, it. That's not. While, while we're at it. it yeah. No, but that's not my number. Don't worry. That way people forget it. You can just, you can just listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, to the end. Let me scrub to hour four, minute 38. <laughs> I don't know how long we've been talking. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes Inception. Uh, catch us in the next couple weeks for our next movie. What is it? We don't know. We haven't decided. But stay tuned. We, uh, what, if, what if the ultimate puzzle of this, like Christopher Nolan gave an interview, he's like, if you pay close enough attention, my social security number is in the movie. Everyone's <laughs> it's that, it's that, that six-digit blocker number that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, the phone number. She's like, he's, yeah, he's like, oh, look at that. Like, it's just, uh, it's six digits. Clearly, she's standing up. I, okay. Yeah. Well, we're, we're done, right? But yeah, that's it. We're done. That's it.